So, Corey, I have good news for you. What's that? Because this is a podcast, John can't get mad at you for swearing on camera. Oh, I don't know. I've already told myself. I said, listen, <laughs> I'm better than that. Are you? I'm better than that. I, I don't need to, to, you know, especially about Mrs. Belichick. I don't need to. <laughs> I don't think they're married. I don't think she, I don't think her last name is Belichick. She was smart. She would, she would get married. I, no. Welcome to the Ad Bounce Podcast. I'm John Luck with Mary Evers. And you heard last week, we're talking about our 10th anniversary this year. So we are bringing back someone that was with us for the first episode all the way back in 2011, Corey Cloudman, joining us today. Uh, Corey, how's it going? That's not bad. Thanks for having me back on my show. I've, uh, you know, <laughs> been, been doing, you know, doing some time without it. But, you know, I think I'm finally ready to come back uh, and, and be a better person. I mean, I was ready to invite you back. It was Mary who just didn't want to have you on. I mean, that's that's not what happened at all. It really wasn't. I think that's probably it. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't worry. I'll see you in court, Mary. <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna start off by talking about the Patriots, and it is Championship Weekend in the AFC and NFC. And I had this thought as I was thinking about the quarterbacks for championship weekend Aaron Rodgers for the Packers Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills Patrick Mahomes for the Kansas City Chiefs and obviously Tom Brady for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh three of those quarterbacks so one thing they have in common is they're playing on conference championship weekend for the team that drafted them so as we're talking about the Patriots next quarterback um looking forward is this a situation where the Patriots should draft their next big quarterback or go out on the free agent market and try and patchwork this thing together here because I mean, looking at the Patriots, I think you probably have about another two or three years with um, Belichick as the main decision maker, Corey. Right. Well, I think if you can go out and get a Garoppolo or someone to that type, then you go and do it and you try to work with that. I don't think you can go out there and, and, and commit to the draft when you don't have the picks. I don't think – and, you know, Belichick, he's kind of like a trader, Danny, when it comes to the picks – he likes to collect them instead of going out there and actually getting, you know, drafting up to get the, the star. So, and I don't think they have the, the power really that's on their roster to go out there and actually get that. And if you do, you know, think about it, I think Garoppolo is your only chance to actually get someone to come in and actually, uh, you know, step into that role. But even that he's, he's got injury problems. And if you, he didn't, you know, commit to him uh, earlier, I think with, you know, fault to, you know, the crafts, but I think that's your only chance without having to say, you know what, Belichick, I think it's, and I don't think you're going to, you might be able to bring in the next guy, but I don't think you're going to actually get to, you know, work with him in his prime. I think if you can go out and get Garoppolo, I a hundred percent think you should. I just don't know how feasible it'll be. And I think with, with, with where the 49ers stand right now is that I don't think anyone really knows what their plan is with their quarterback because they haven't really, you know, disclosed any information saying they would or would not keep Garoppolo. So I think at this point it could go either way. But if you could get Garoppolo for a relatively cheap or even just kind of get, giving back what you got, what you got for trading him in the first place, I'd say go for it. I mean, obviously he's an injury risk and that's slightly questionable, but I think that – 
Garoppolo would be more comfortable in New England's offense than he has been in the 49ers offense in the last couple of years. But I don't think, but who's been running that offense? It's McDaniels. And I think he's probably right. going to be handing out. And not, not that That's I've seen him today. I don't think he'll be here for the long term. And your yeah. top, you know, free agents right now was Philip Rivers, who just retired, Dak Prescott, who's going back to Dallas, I, I would have to assume. Yeah. Jameis Winston, who's a train wreck, or Cam Newton. Right. So, you know, your options really aren't out there. You have to yeah. either commit to getting this trade and giving up probably enough. I don't think San Francisco is just going to be like, yep, you know what, you're right here. Here's this. Right. And, and just give him back. I think in, yeah. you're not going to get anything in free agency. And I, I think your best chance out of all of those is Cam Newton. But I don't want to see that again. But I don't think we right. have to. I don't want Belichick to be cheap either. I think this is the position that you, you splurge on. You spend the money. And I don't think there's anybody out there right now that you splurge on. Well, I think we talked about this last week and the fact that if you go out and you try and sign a free agent quarterback, I mean, right now, if you're trying to attract a quarterback, you're talking about a Matthew Stafford, a Jameis Winston, like you talked about, kind of this work in progress. I think realistically someone that the Patriots could be looking at is Jacoby Brissett. Now you have to wonder if the Colts want to make him the starter next season. Yeah. But really, if you're trying to attract a free agent quarterback, what quarterback in their right mind is going to want to come to New England where your top pass catchers are Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry, and I mean, what, a quarter of Julian Edelman? I mean, if I'm a quarterback looking around and I see everywhere else and I see the Patriots, I'm not going there. I mean, Last season, the New York Jets had a better receiving core than the New England Patriots. So I think the way Bill Belichick should approach this is look at the draft. If you have to trade up, if you have to spend a couple of assets to do it, I think you do that because this quarterback draft class coming out here, I mean, granted, it's not going to be a class of Peyton Manning's or Tom Brady's, Drew Brees's, but still a quarterback field in the draft class of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. And Mac Jones, who I think is someone the Patriots are really looking at because of that close tie between Nick Saban and uh, Bill Belichick. So to me, I think you have to go ahead, draft your quarterback, try and build a program. It's going to take a while to do it, but the AFC is a loaded conference that really you have to have that five, ten year plan. Yeah, and I don't I I think that they're going to draft a quarterback, but if they draft it where they are right now, it's not going to be a quarterback that's going to start game one next season so they're gonna have to get someone to bridge that gap if they do draft this quarterback and have to develop him for a little while and someone like Jacoby Brissett or or Jimmy Garoppolo I don't know if they would be a good person to build a quarterback behind only because the fact that they were both build built up behind Tom Brady and then let go without without seeing any rewards for working as hard as they did in the Patriots organization they might not be they might not feel inclined to help the next quarterback because they were just kind of the they at one point they were the next quarterback on that team and were just kind of left to the wayside yeah I I agree and I don't think there's I think if you do have to draft whether it be fields or the kid from BYU or whatever, like if, if that's going to be your thing, you have to let Belichick go. Because I think you have to – or he has to step aside because who is going to be the next offensive coordinator of the team? Where is the team yeah. going to go? Is it going to be a Belichick son to step up, which would be a terrible idea, but who right. is taking over? Because it looks like McDaniels is on his way to Philadelphia. And it doesn't look like – and Belichick doesn't have another 10 years, I don't think. Right. And if he does, do you really want an 80-year-old Belichick? A 70-year-old Belichick is scary enough. Right. So where are – I think you need to sit down. If you're 
you know, Jonathan Kraft and say, listen, where are we going to be in the 10 year plan? You do, you do need to look at to ahead. <clears throat> You're not going to, you need to kind of feel like, okay, if it's going to be fields, that's a totally different quarterback than we've ever had to deal with. Right. And historically they don't last as long. Uh, a running quarterback, athletic quarterback, doesn't last as long as, as a Brady. So is that a way you're gonna the way you're gonna want to go? I think you really need to sit down and figure out. Okay, logistically, what are we gonna be doing? Because Edelman's not gonna be here, like you said. The receiving crew's terrible. You yeah. have the New York Jets that have a better crew. They just don't. They can't get a coach in there. Hopefully, they can figure it out now. But what's our ten year plan? And I think I, the one of the worst parts being right now, and you know, everyone's talking about how. Belichick is, you know, is losing the Brady versus Belichick battle. And I think one of the reasons why he's also losing this battle at this moment is because he refuses to replace any of the coaches that he's losing to other head coaching jobs. Like he never replaced Matt Patricia, not really, kind of with Brian Flores, but then he lost Brian Flores. And now it's maybe Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo kind of running the defense. And if he loses Josh McDaniels and then does the same thing and doesn't replace him, that team is going to fall apart even more so than it has. So I think you're right. I think if Belichick cares at all about this team he needs to actually build up his coaching staff as well as his team right now so we'll get back to uh bill in a second here but just to bring up the homegrown quarterbacks like i was saying three of the four quarterbacks this weekend are playing for the team that drafted them go back to 2017 all four quarterbacks in that conference championship weekend started for the team that drafted them rogers for the packers matt ryan for the falcons roethlisberger for the steelers and uh, tom brady for the new england patriots um but just sticking with Bill Belichick here and Tom Brady in this year-long pissing matchup they've had, um, Tom Brady is in the NFC Championship game, uh, another championship game for Tom Brady in his 20-year uh, run here. And we started to think that maybe this was kind of the start of the crack in the armor of Bill Belichick as far as taking losses here, maybe he's starting to lose a grip on things. But then you have this report that uh, Linda Holiday, Bill Belichick's significant other, went on Instagram and started chewing people out because they started to say stuff about um, Tom Brady. So she put a post out on Instagram about how unique of a year 2020 was. And somebody snapped back saying, you know, um, yeah, too bad Bill let Tom go or something like that. Then Linda went on an offense or went on a rant here saying, and you have all the answers. Evidently Tom didn't score last night, not once defense won that game where you've been watching. On the other hand, I'm happy for Tom's career. Why can't you be? Now, shortly after that, Linda took down that post and her Twitter page went dark. So is this maybe a situation here where Bill is starting to lose a grasp on things, mm -hmm. a 20, 25-year stranglehold on everything in his life, and maybe he's just starting to kind of let things go here at age 70, Mary? Well, this is one of the problems with social media is the fact that if you're somewhat related to or have some kind of relationship with someone who is famous or rich or powerful, all of a sudden you, you know, have 60,000 followers, which is, I think, what she had. And but with that, with that, all of a sudden, with you having that platform, all of a sudden, you have to realize that there's always going to be someone that's going to insult you or is going to insult the person that you're you have a relationship with or any parts of your family and the fact that she let that get to her just kind of it, it's it's childish and I don't know how old Linda Holiday is but Belichick's in his 70s so I assume that she's relatively close in age to him she's not a you know no. a 20 year 
<laughs> well, she's not a 20 year old kid that should be no. easily like goaded on social media. It's embarrassing. And I'm not surprised that she took all that stuff down because I'm sure someone told Bill it happened because, you know, Bill's not on social media and he got, probably got pissed. Like he does not want to feed into this narrative of Belichick versus Brady, but people keep doing it and he's going to get he's going to continuously get pissed. So I, I just the fact that she even did that is is legitimately hilarious to me because she's a grown woman probably fighting with a like a 15 year old on instagram it's it's depressing she's all right she's she, all right so she should know better than to com- like to clap back at comments on her instagram page like who how uh, i this, it, it's baffling to me so yeah and, and how many 58 year olds know how to deal with trolls you know so i right. mean but going back to her putting this stuff up I think she she sees I think she sees behind like we were saying like the, the man behind the curtain the yeah. the, the the cracking of the Berlin Wall the Belichick who's been so stern and in his ways right. for you know twenty plus years he's starting to feel it I think it's tough the media has been extra hard on him and as they should <clears throat> but he's never had to deal with this he's always been the guy that can well check the scoreboard right. and now it's starting to get to the point where he can't. And I think she loves him and she sees that. And I think it's, it's a different side to things. But, yeah, I don't think she should be clapping back, as you said, to these kids and or these other people that are just trying to get clickbait out of it. So right. when it comes down to it, you do when you're at that level, there has to be someone, I think, that runs your social media account. Yeah. Because it probably was a moment of being pissed and upset about watching yeah. people say this stuff about your, your significant other. So... Do I do I blame her completely? No, but you know what? If I'm if I'm Bill, I, I say you know what, Linda, you can have a page, but have someone else run it. Have your daughters run it, who are apparently big into the Instagram world as well. They're like twins, right. that whatever. But they need to. Fi- she needs to figure that out. And I think that, but I think that does show some sight to that. Belichick is starting to break down with it. I think he is starting to get old, and and it's hard for us to see it too. But you know. He's been a, such a steel and iron fist for so many years. I think now yeah. we're actually seeing his age take over. Yeah. Now, he, here's something to think about. Could it be possible that Linda Holiday is starting to channel the thoughts of Bill Belichick? Like maybe they had conversations while they were watching Tom Brady play the Redskins or play the Washington football team in well, the uh, wild card round. Maybe they had conversations and she picked up on some of the things that Bill said and put that in the conversation. To me, I think that's something to at least kind of think about. Because it's very rare to see a post like that. I mean, it's not compared to what we've seen in the past year, a post like that get taken down. Something tells me that she was asked to take it down. And I think maybe even Bill kind of nudged her into taking that Twitter page down because Bill likes to have his isolation. Bill likes to kind of be his own person, his own entity. So, you know, this might be kind of that big argument standoff here that, you know, maybe some couples have. I'm sure you're right, and I'm sure that it was a part of a conversation that the two of them had. But I think that, like, at 58 years old, you should probably know not to put details of a private conversation with a person you're in a relationship with on Instagram or, or Twitter or whatever it was. The right. One- I think there's definitely some truths to it. But like Mary was saying, like, you need to know, like, have some have have a filter with it or have, like, some sort of understanding. Like, you know what, maybe you're going to hear some of the things that you know, most media members would be, you know, huge to get. They'd be like, yeah, let's send that out. 
Yeah. But you're hearing things that you just need to kind of keep your mouth shut. Like, you know, be there for your partner as opposed to being like, you know, he's feeling upset. So I have to let everybody else know that, you know what I mean? Like, right. no, after whatever they've been together, 10 years, that that's just not how things roll. And he right. has an image to uphold that, you know, you just don't do that. And I'm sure he was upset. Yeah. Can you only imagine what Nike, the dog's uh, Twitter account's going to be looking like. But I can say that. <laughs> You know, talking to somebody that does social media for different sports teams, that the one thing that I picked up from a conversation I had is read your tweet three or four times. Think yeah. about how this tweet could follow you because or same thing goes for Instagram, I think. I don't know what their attention is, but companies and places and things are going to go back and look at that and try and find tweets that maybe kind of look weird or look like they right. don't go against that brand so you never know how something like that could affect you well in i mean five look at years look at every kid that's been drafted to any of the professional sports teams in the last couple of years the second they get drafted someone on twitter has a list of the tweets that they put out at 12 or 13 years old that are you know racist or homophobic and, and, and it's just going to keep happening you know it, it so the fact there's always going to be some person that's willing to take an hour out of their own days and their own lives just to find something bad about you. And you have to always remember that when you're posting things online. All right. So we go. Well, our president didn't even care about it. So I mean, right. Well, that's fair. You know I mean? So, I mean, yeah. Anybody can run a Twitter page. Anybody can run an Instagram. Yeah. This, you know, you look for the blue check mark, but even that sometimes doesn't even, you know what I mean? So yeah. take so much truth into it and like, just educate yourself on it, and I think you'd be all right. Yeah. Look for the blue check mark, especially when following Adrian Wojnarowski. That's when you get burned as a basketball fan. Um, oh my God! How many times have you fallen for that fake Woj account? Oof. The, Sean, the scary thing pretty. is, I think it's the same. Faux it's the same one every time. Account. Like it would be it one is. thing if it was like Adrian Woj or Adrian Wash. It would be one thing if it right. was like different accounts. But no, it's the same one every single time you fall for. I'm just an idiot. Uh, divisional round weekend. Donkey's getting catfished. Divisional round weekend. Uh, here we go here. Green Bay taking on the Rams 32-18. To me, this was kind of the most boring game of the weekend. Jared Goff, yeah. 21-27, 174 yards. Still with a hand that he's coming back from surgery from Aaron Rodgers. Though 296 yards. Devontae Adams, nine receptions, 66 yards, and a touchdown pass. Or a touchdown reception, rather. To me, I think Green Bay... This is Green Bay's offense here. You have Aaron Rodgers, who can move out of the pocket a little bit. Devontae Adams as that deep threat. And even the even the running game as well. I mean, A.J. Dillon, we don't know if he'll be able to play coming up this Sunday against the Buccaneers, Corey. But to me, I mm-hmm. think Green Bay looks like a very complete team compared to some of the other Packers teams from the past. Right. This is kind of like their last shot, right, You know, with Aaron Rodgers, I think. They've, they've realized, listen, this is the team that actually, you know, because he only has one ring. And I think that's something that they're looking at and saying, all right, well, we really need to go out here and, and, and kind of put our, uh, you know, all the hands on deck and try to win this for him. But, yeah, this is I – mean, the defense looks pretty good, but they have to – if I'm the Packers' defense, I'm saying, you know, we do we need to attack Brady. We can't let him throw. And yeah. for Aaron Rodgers, it's the same thing. They, he needs his offensive line to give him time. So I think that's our big th- the big thing going into this weekend. If I'm a Packers fan and saying, all right, what are we going to do to disrupt Brady? And are we going to give, you know, Rodgers enough time to actually sit in the pocket and throw? Because I, I think him running outside the pocket, he can. I think that's where you're going to run into your interceptions. That's what, you know what I mean? You're, you are playing in Green Bay. It's going to be cold. And 
you should have the advantage, but there's no fans really. So, I mean, I think you, this is where you need to kind of buckle down. You need to control Brady in the, you know, outside the pocket, force him out and see what happens. I think it has to be the opposite. You know, Rogers keep him in the pocket, have, have give him good protection, and force Brady to throw from from the run and make him uncomfortable. I, I love the narrative that's constantly surrounding anyone playing at Lambeau is, uh, oh, it's cold. So they're going to, you know, you're going to have to step it up because it's going to be cold. And I saw something online that was like, oh, well, what's Brady going to do in the cold? Like Tom Brady didn't spend 20 years in New England. And now maybe Foxborough isn't as, as cold as Lambeau will get, but it's pretty damn cold in New England. So I, I'm not worried about Tom Brady in the cold. I, you know, I'm not, wor- I'm not too worried about Green Bay's defense because even though they're relatively good, Tom Brady has so many weapons that he can throw to that as long as they're not making dumb mistakes like they have in the, in the past couple of weeks, I don't think that, that Brady's going to have much of a problem getting this, his offense to work. So we're talking about how Tom Brady can handle himself in the cold. To me, that's not the question. I know Tom Brady can handle himself in the cold. That's fine. To me, it's how does Mike Evans handle himself in the mm-hmm. cold? How does Chris Godwin handle himself in the cold? Uh, Cameron Braid, um, Leonard Fournette, the list goes on and on. Ronald Jones, how do well, this is, Brady's this is gonna offensive be a big tools game. handle themselves? This is going to be a big game for Gronk and Antonio Brown. One, because they know what it's like to play in these games and in the cold. And two, because I think that out of all of those people, those are the two receivers that Brady trusts the most. And I guarantee you we'll see him throwing to the two of them more than any of those other receivers. Unless you're Green Bay and you just try and find a way to double up on Evans and, you know, risk your luck with Chris Godwin. Maybe that's the way the Packers try and uh, stop Tom Brady from throwing the ball up and down the field. Well, and also, too, you know, think about Tampa Bay's defense. How many games have they played in the cold this year? And with Rodgers controlling the clock, which does happen pretty well, especially if they mm-hmm. do have the running game going. Yeah. You don't care how – you could have grown up in the Northeast. If you're sitting outside – I get it. You put a jacket on, the big coats on and everything. But you're sitting around waiting to get back on the field. It's, it, it hurts to get back out there. You do. You need to control the game because yeah. if, you're, if your defense is sitting down, I don't care how well you know the cold – Getting up, you know, it's going to hurt. Go out, going yeah. out there and having to tackle, you know, some of those running backs from, you know, from Green Bay, it, you know, it, it, it's going to hurt. So, I mean, you do need to take that into effect. You need to keep yourself right. on the field. And you need to control the game if you want to win this game. I think that's one thing that Brady and Rodgers really do have in common is their ability to manage the game in the way, and especially manage the clock. I mean, the both of them are kind of, you know, the kings of the two-minute drill and, and what have you. So I think that I that's going to be kind of the more interesting duel to me is which one of them can outperform each other when it comes to managing the game. King of the two-minute drill. Yeah. To me, I think this is probably going to be a game where we're talking about both teams getting into the upper 30s, but we shall see coming up on Sunday. Uh, Buffalo and Baltimore. This was a fun game to watch with 6,500 fans in Buffalo. It sounded like a lot louder than that, but the story was Lamar Jackson, 14-24, passing 162 yards. He left the game with, with a concussion at the end of the third quarter. But to me, Mary, this game was really over in the first you know, a couple minutes of the third quarter when Josh Allen got the Bills on a nice drive into the end zone, finding mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs. And from that point on, Baltimore just 
look like they even want to play anymore. Yeah, this happens with this has happened with Baltimore all season. I think we talked about this last week. It's just that if one thing doesn't seem to go their way, they have a, a tough time bouncing back from it it seems like I, you know with the titans a week before the titans were up by i think it was 10 at one point and the ravens were able to come back but that was more more so because the defense were able to you know stop derrick henry than anything else this week you know what they needed was lamar jackson to be able to stay calm and and focus on you know bringing his team back to where it needed to be and it just didn't seem like he had the ability to do that Meanwhile, you have Justin Tucker, two missed field goals. You add in those six points to what Baltimore has. You're talking about a one-possession game here. But mm-hmm. really, the defense Buffalo just started to click, Corey. And Lamar Jackson and the Ravens just had a hard time getting anything going. They were pushed back to their own goal line, which to me is where this game really turned, obviously, with Jackson. Right. Yeah. right. I mean, and the problem with that is I, I think you have – Lamar Jackson, who is the guy you do in those big games, you want him staying in the pocket. You don't want him running as electric as he is. And same with Mahomes. It, those are the guys you want to go see go out there and make a play and, and, and challenge the Buffalo defense because that is a huge part of the game. If, you know, I was listening to sports talk radio and they made the, the point too. Like if, if the quarterback can't run, it's like going out and playing with your buddies, like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, then the quarterback just runs. It's a huge part of the game that you have to equate for. You have to have someone that can sit there and be a quarterback spy and try. That takes a big part of the game out. And I think that you know, if I'm if Buffalo did a good job is to make him not make as many big plays and have him going out with a concussion was huge for Buffalo because that's one part of the game that they they could kind of ease off of and sit back and just make you know make the plays you know as a regular defense as opposed to dealing with a quarterback that can you know, break off a, you know, 50, 60 yard run. Let's talk about the other side of the coin here. The winning quarterback, Josh Allen, 206 yards passing, uh, 106 of those to uh, Stefan Diggs, who had touchdown reception in the game. Uh, Josh Allen, he didn't really, he wasn't really on his top game last year in the playoffs, but, you know, you look back at the Indianapolis game, he willed his team to victory. You look at this game, he got his team through some adversity in the first half. It was a pitcher's duel really in that first half going into half. That first drive in the third quarter, though, to me, that was kind of that clicking point that shows Josh Allen, maybe he can hang in here as far as one of the top echelon quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe a top four, top five quarterback. Yeah, I think Josh Allen is easily the difference maker in Baltimore. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, not Baltimore, in Buffalo. I mean, obviously you can say Stephon Diggs is, and I do think that the addition of Stephon Diggs in this last offseason has been made – Josh Allen achieve more than he probably would have without him. But Josh Allen was kind of, you know, a sneaky quarterback when he was drafted because, you know, it's, it's not, he's not, he wasn't an electric name like Pat Mahomes was when he started playing in the NFL or Lamar Jackson was, he just kind of worked steadily, built up his talent and is now, you know, playing for a championship game this weekend. And I, I don't think Buffalo is anywhere near where this where they are right now without someone like Josh Allen. No, I think he was a rare find that it, look, it's hard to get a quarterback and we're going to see that in yeah. the next couple of years. It's it's not just where we've had we've just been lucky you've had Drew Bledsoe who wasn't great but you know he just kind of fit in and was a franchise quarterback and then you get lucky with a Tom Brady after a big hit and you know 
in you know at, at, in New York that big night when uh, Belichick not Belichick uh, Bledsoe tried to run. So you just kind of you found the two franchise quarterbacks. It's going to be hard. And if I'm Buffalo, I think okay, good. Brady's finally out of there. We can run the East for a long time. This kid can sit up and he can sit up in the pocket. He can throw. He can make the plays on his feet when he has to. And we made a big find. And you know what? Maybe he's just hot right now. Yeah. Maybe this, maybe next year he reverts back to just being a good quarterback. And I think that's enough. If I'm Buffalo, that's enough to to get me through the next ten years. Hey, you know what? If he's a decent quarterback, that's good enough for me because I know. If I'm a Buffalo fan, it's it's quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Just like everybody else in the division, like the Jets, they can't see. You know what I mean? If you finally find someone that's decent, you know what? You, you take them and you ride them for the next 10 years and see if they do get hot like Allen is this year. Yeah. But I think this is something we're going to have to do ourselves. You know, maybe it is Garoppolo one year. Maybe, but then, you know what I mean? Then you try to go into the draft every year. And until you find that next guy, but I, I think it's going to be a long time. I think one thing looking back at this pandemic is going to be <clears throat> the fact that we weren't able to see Bill Stadium rocking at full tilt, 70, mm-hmm. 75,000 plus, or however, or however mm-hmm. much they hold there. Yeah. That would have been fun to watch, especially with all the tables breaking. The mafia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City defeated Cleveland 22 17. Patrick Mahomes 21 30 passing with a touchdown. But the thing everyone's talking about is the fact he left the game with a concussion. He is going through concussion protocol. Uh, before he left, though, Tyree Kill, eight receptions for 110 yards, and Travis Kelsey had a touchdown reception of his own. Kansas City, this was all about ball control. They had 438 yards of total offense compared to Cleveland, 308. But Kansas City, it's their time right now, Corey. To me, this is kind of how the Patriots were in 2003, 2004. They were that dominant team that – kicked everyone's face in and it's very hard to stop them but Cleveland almost did right and I think the biggest story is is Cleveland I think may you know Mayfield's finally he he showed a lot in that game and I think yeah the big story is Mahomes and going into the you know his set you know going for a second Super Bowl and his concussion and everything and I think he'll be okay I don't he I bet there's a lot of wink, wink, nudge, nudge with that protocol, especially this week in the year. He could have, you know, a brain leak, and I think there'd be still a doctor signing him to pass the the protocol. But the big thing was watching that Cleveland game, and I love him. I was questioning about about him. I thought he might be like another Mark Sanchez, someone that comes in, had a good first year, maybe, you know, a decent second year. And then kind of fades away into free agency and is just a guy, a career backup or a career subpar quarterback, which is sometimes just good enough. But I think that if I'm Cleveland, I'm very excited for the next couple of years. If they can go out there and get a couple pieces, you know, especially in defense, maybe someone that can stop the run. I think that this is an exciting team in the next couple of years. We know what Kansas City is. I think they're going to probably end up winning the Super Bowl unless Brady can get there and it's at home and, you know, and, and everything's worked out. I think it's going to be a good Final Four either way. But I think the biggest story is the Cleveland and to actually see them actually step up and, and have some respect for themselves. And, and that's something we haven't seen, God, probably most of our lifetimes, especially yeah. you, Mary. You know what I mean? You haven't seen a good Cleveland Browns team in oh, that yeah. whole thing. You know what I mean? So I think that's the more exciting story. But I think I, Mahomes doesn't matter. He's going to be fine. He'll go out there and he'll put something together and he'll he'll win. That's it. It was a big story going into 
the um the Cleveland's Chiefs games there was you know during the pregame show they had a story about this Browns fan that had a a Cleveland Browns quarterback graveyard in his front yard and there was like 18 different quarterbacks since 2000 or 1999 maybe so that's I mean that's huge to go go through to be Maker Mayfield as the 19th quarterback in like apparently 21 years that's you know that's not very many teams even have that bad of luck so I you know I wasn't a huge Baker Mayfield guy when he came out of college I thought he was kind of arrogant and that he didn't do enough to prove that he could be as arrogant as he was but you know like Josh Allen he's gotten increasingly better as time got has gone by and you know adding some pieces and finally finding a head coach that seemed to work for that organization was helpful so you know I I I wanted to see Cleveland win last week. I knew it was kind of a long shot because obviously the Chiefs are insanely good and you can pretty much have anyone throwing a ball to Tyreek Hill and he'll catch it. So, you know, I agree. I think Cleveland, even though they lost, is a huge story and I don't think that they're going to be, you know, they're not going to go anywhere anytime soon. They're going to be right up there with the top teams in the AFC for a while. Right, and I'm I'm kind of glad that they didn't win. I don't think that that was their time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, because if they did, everyone would just question it, saying, well, if Mahomes was out there, if Mahomes right. is out there. Yeah, I don't fair. think that was their time to do it. And, you know, you know, especially them going up, you know, against a backup quarterback. You know what I mean? And not that he didn't do well. I, I just think, you know what, it's better that I think Cleveland lost. They made it further than they made it in a long time. Mm-hmm. And it was such a good story. And, you know, you're right. I never thought he was going to be a great quarterback when he came out of Oklahoma. And he was arrogant and, you know what, but he's backed it up. He's got a big contract. Yeah. And I think he's he's the next big guy, I think. And you're I think I, I, my biggest thing is can he keep it up more than Josh, Josh Allen? Who's going to be the next big guy in the AFC, I think? Yeah. Is it going to be, you know, you know, Allen, or is it going to be uh, May- uh, Mayfield? Well, I just look at the weapons that Mayfield has around him, and, you know, it's kind of like Mahomes. He has Hill and Kelsey and Williams helping him out. To me, Mayfield has just as good, if not maybe in some cases, better tools. And, you know, you can look at the stats to compare all you want, but Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb in the backfield. To me, this Cleveland Browns offense is predicated on those short, high-percentage passes, kind of like what the Patriots were with those, you know, thousand paper cuts deal but, I mean go ahead sorry but I was just saying like but you have to like thinking back though to that week that they had no receivers really the fact that their offense was already set up the way it was you know they were a lot more successful than I think anyone thought they would be without their wide receivers and I think Baker Mayfield's talent alone had a lot to do with that and Cleveland was playing with house money because nobody really I mean I, I think one of us picked Cleveland to beat the Steelers a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But nobody had Cleveland kicking the Steelers facing in the first half. I mean, they were up mm-hmm. 28 nothing. They were playing with yeah. house money at this point, and they almost came up with the ultimate jackpot of upsetting the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, even if Mahomes wasn't out there for the fourth quarter. Yeah. And um, the final game here, Tampa Bay beating New Orleans. This was the uh, game of the weekend. Uh, Tom Brady against Drew Brees for the final time. Bucks move on to the championship game for the first time since 2002. Tom Brady, 199 yards passing and two touchdowns. Uh, Drew Brees had a touchdown and three interceptions in what many people believe is his last game. Uh, There are reports that Brees suffered a torn rotator cuff, torn fascia, 
to go along with the 11 uh, broken ribs that he suffered earlier in the year. So just a big scale here for the game. To me, this was Tampa Bay's best game, I think, this season. Maybe besides that week six game against Green Bay. Uh, the defense doing a great job complimenting the offense. Um, a well-coached game, Mary. And to me, I think the better team won this matchup. I agree. You know, I, the Saints had been besting Tampa Bay all year long. And, you know, it was one of those na- the narratives going into this, that game last weekend that it's hard to beat a, a team three times in one year. It just truly is. And, you know, one of the things that I think Tampa Bay did super well was just the fact that they were able to control Alvin Kamara a little bit more than any team had this entire season. And, you know, Michael Thomas has been on and off injured. We found out after the game that he really shouldn't have been playing. But since he knew that it was probably Drew Brees' last shot at a championship, he wanted to be on the field with his team. So, you know, being able to shut down Kamara and Thomas not playing to what he usually does was huge for the two, was huge for the Saints. And I think Tampa Bay's defense did a great job, you know, uh, taking advantage of those situations. Also, it was strange to me, like not um, making the decision not to play Taysom Hill. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I saw why he wasn't playing, whether he was injured or not, but I think that that weird wildcat quarterback thing that they had going on and just interjecting him every once in a while was one of the saints Saints's biggest weapons this year. And not having that was also a huge thing for them. No, I agree. Thomas, that's a whole other issue. He was on my fantasy team. Yeah, he same. screwed me all year. Yeah, screwed me, too. me all year. I, every week I was fumbling to try to find a receiver that could replace him. And same, same. Anyway, that, that's for another day. But this game, I, I you had to know Brady was going to win. Yes, the Saints have won twice that year, and yes, it is hard to win three games. But you know, to, to watch this, you know, two old white guys to go out there and play catch after the game, you know, it's okay. You know what I mean? It's fun. But this I don't think this was the game of the week, though. If I'm looking at it, I, I think Mahomes, you know, one of those games, that's a more exciting game. Also, you know, game a lot of people week, had as the game of the week coming into the weekend. Right. But I just think you, if you know Brady, you don't doubt him in these games. I think you have to just know he's going to come out and, you know, and you got, you know, Breeze with, you know, 11 broken ribs. And uh, I mean, these people got out of, you know, the Battle of Normandy with less injuries than, you know, that he has going for him. I mean, <laughs> I, think, I, th- I think this is a, you know, a, a no-brainer that, you know, Brady was going to show up in a dome, controlled. Like, you have to, this time of year, you just have to know he's going to win. That's why I think then going to, to Green Bay, that's a more exciting, you know, matchup, I think. Yeah, it was cool to see Breeze go out and whatever. Like, it's sad. he And he, that's going to hurt his career, too. He's played forever, blah, blah, blah. But he's only won it once. So I think that's going to come down. And I think that's the, the fear that Rodgers has as well. Yeah, a lot of good regular seasons, a lot of good playoff games, but I've only won it once. And I think that's what the difference between Brady and them is, yep, he knows going into these games, yep, you know, whatever in the regular season, we're going to win this one. I'm going to friggin' win. That's that's it. You know what I mean? And I think this game kind of showed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kind of growing into themselves because this is a game I think if you played it week four or five, they'd probably go ahead and lose 28-7. Uh, to seven. But you look at the defense and those interceptions that Drew Brees did throw, 
Then you have the offense coming up back on the field for the touchdown drives. It was from the New Orleans three, the New Orleans 20, um, the New Orleans 40. So the offense did a good job of picking up where the defense left the ball. Whereas you go back to week four or five where this team was still trying to gel together, then, you know, you're talking about maybe a field goal or, you know, still not getting any points on the scoreboard. But to me, I think this was a very important game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because now you're going into Green Bay where you have an offense that is very familiar. You have the Devontae Adams Rogers connection. You have Aaron Jones going through the middle. So this is going to be an all hands on deck situation. And that includes mm-hmm. the offense because um, Tom Brady did a good job of spraying the ball out to all of his offensive weapons. Um, you know, you look back at the pass receiving here for net five receptions, Cameron Braid, four receptions, Chris Godwin, four receptions, uh, Miller, Johnson, Gronkowski, Brown, Evans, all had a reception each. So, you know, I think this was kind of a sign of the times for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But that is kind of how a Brady offense is run. I mean, over the years, yeah. well, in the beginning of the year, which isn't surprising, he takes a while, especially at his age, to get going. And distributing the ball like that, that's how he's always been. So I think that's, you know, Green Bay knows that. They, they know they're going to have to, they're going to have to take away the pass from him and force you know, maybe then to go to a running game and, and force Brady outside the pocket, make him uncomfortable. And, you know, rushing guys up the middle, they, they talk about this all the time. You're not going to win Brady, win against Brady like that. He's going to eat you apart if you force him, if you let him sit in the pocket. You need to make him uncomfortable. And I think Green Bay, they, they're they looking at that, okay, what do we do to make him get uncomfortable and try to find the quick screen? And that's been his – I think that's – you know, Brady's been – you know, even at this age, he's had his problems, especially in, in, in Tampa. He's had to go down a lot more than he has wanted to mm-hmm. and, and taking the, the sack or t- try to throw it out of bounds, try to get outside the pocket to, so it's not, it's not grounding. All right, so we'll pick these two games coming up a little bit later on here, but we go to the Boston Celtics now who are through 13 games as of this podcast recording. They are 8-5 and five, compared that to last year when the Celtics went 11-2 and two in the first 13 games. So far, they've had three games postponed due to COVID. Kemba Walker missed the first 11 games of the season. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown seem like they are growing into superstars in the NBA. Um, So we haven't talked about the Celtics, Mary, since they started playing. Uh, I mean, this is your favorite team in the world, I know. Yeah, okay. It's your sport. You like the way they dribble Uh, up and down the court. Right. Um, What's your take on what the Celtics have done here in the first few weeks? You know, I don't don't think the Celtics are necessarily in a – too tough of a spot right now simply because they haven't had all of their pieces on the court at the same time yet. I mean, obviously, like you said, Kemba missed the first couple of games of the season. And then as soon as he was ready to come back, we don't have Jason Tatum. And I think Jason Tatum truly is the difference maker on the court for the Celtics. You know, Jalen Brown is having a really great year and I would not take that away from him, but I think that the two of them need to be on the court at the same time in order to complement each other's games. And that's how you're going to get the wins uh, going forward. So I think once I think I, you know, I would assume that Jason Tatum will be back in time for the next game. It seems like he was practicing um, in Boston while everyone was in Philadelphia for the game last night. So, you know, he should be back. I'm really interested to see going forward what this team can be this year with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum playing as well as they have with a healthy Kemba Walker being back. Yeah. I don't think you, you have seen like, again, that it is early in the year. I haven't seen as many games as I'd like to because of work, but I think from what you take from what you see is Mm -hmm. you haven't had the complete team yet. 
Right. You've had you haven't had Kimball walk out there, you know, with to make the big three, even a big four if you want to consider Marcus Smart, and that's a whole nother segment with what they should do with him. But you haven't seen them on the field on the court. You haven't seen them get their chemistry together. So I think yeah. that's a big thing. Going in, and I'd like to see them play Brooklyn. And that, yeah, that that place could turn into a train wreck tomorrow. Yeah. It's the egos, and I think that's what you're going to see in Boston. Maybe even this year, is egos are going to start to take place. Jalen Brown, yeah, he's he's a guy that could start to get a lot of looks for a possible trade because he is going to be a, a, an All Star. Do you stick with him? You know, if you're the Celtics, or do you try to go do a quick fix? For an all-star now, and I know oh, John does not agree with you at all, Corey. Right, I know. I, I think my big thing is I you keep Jalen Brown, you keep Tatum, and you trade Smart. But I don't think you're going to get as much for him that as as much for him as he thinks he's worth. When we talk about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, the link, the missing link is just coming back from missing 11 games. That's Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. He's not a point guard that's going to go ahead and force his shots like I think that's what you're going to get with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn probably in the next couple of months or so with James Harden and Kevin Durant. I think Jalen Brown is turning into be a top 15 talent in the NBA. Uh, So far, you look at scoring in the first 13 games. Brown is 11th in the NBA in scoring, averaging about 26 a game. Jason Tatum is 7th in the NBA, still after missing, you know, what, six or seven games due to COVID reasons. He's 7th in the NBA in scoring with 27 points. To me, where the Celtics team is lacking is in rebounding and, to me, I think you look at Daniel Tice. He gets into foul trouble. And this mm-hmm. team is getting out-rebounded by ridiculous margins. Defensive rebounding, Boston is 21st in the NBA, averaging about 34 rebounds a game. They're behind teams like Chicago and Cleveland and Sacramento, teams that the Celtics shouldn't be behind. If you want the Celtics to go far in the Eastern Conference against the likes of Joel Embiid, against um, you know Giannis Antetokounmpo, you need to get a rebounder in there that can clog up the paint because Joel Embiid, you can go ahead and say that he got 22 free throws or whatever against the Celtics in the first game of the two-game set, but you need someone out there that can challenge him. Joel Embiid is going to get the calls. The question is how do you go ahead and you know, play defense against teams like the 76ers? There's way too much help defense, especially when you pass the ball around the perimeter because Philadelphia had it scouted out perfectly. You get the ball inside, a bunch of people going inside of the paint – then you kick the ball out, then it goes around the horn until you find the open man who hits a three. That's what the Celtics are starting to lack. They have a lot of trouble in the paint. They can't score in the right. paint. They can't rebound in the paint. It's Every single time anyone's under the basket, I already know that the other team's got the ball because they can't do anything in the paint. Mid, mid-range jumper, that's the Celtics game. Marcus Smart, Jeff T. Um, I think that's actually Jalen Brown's best uh, shot coming off just inside the three-point line. Granted, it doesn't give you as many points, but I think that's a more high-percentage shot. And I think that's how the Celtics need to kind of approach right, but things. But that's not the shot that you want Jalen Brown to have, the 15, 13-footer. That's where you want to have a big guy. And you, you make great points, John, but how are they going to execute it? To get a big guy like that, you're you're naming a lot of big names, you're going to have to give up one of your young guys. So how, how are you going to get uh, – a Greek freak in here or, or, you know, an Embiid, you're going to have to give someone up. And I don't think that's Marcus Smart. And I don't think you're going to go out there and get that guy, like you said, the, the problems in the paint, scoring in the paint. Yeah, that's been their problem for the last 10 years. They right. they haven't addressed it. Like, that's not a bit, that's not a hot take. That's that's just a, con, that's just continued 
failure on Danny's part. I'm not saying go out and get a Giannis Antetokounmpo or Joel Embiid, but you need to get someone that can challenge them. And to me, I think a player like that is in Cleveland right now, and that's either Andre Drummond or um, Jarrett Allen. I think Jarrett Allen is someone who the Celtics could go after that can give you a little more presence in the paint and can kind of stretch out the floor a little bit. First of all, poor Jarrett Allen, who is that would be his fourth team in like two months if he got traded to the Celtics. Yeah, I bet he's not making more than a million dollars a year. (laughs) Well, I, I would say Karis Levert, but that's not happening. If you have to live out of a suitcase for two months to have millions of dollars, I, I don't feel bad for any of them. Honestly, though, like, I I quite honestly, like, I just I thought that's what they got Tristan Thompson for. In the beginning of the last night's Celtics game, Brian Scalabrini's going on and on about how, you know, against Joel Embiid, I mean, against Tristan Thompson, Joel Embiid is, you know, only averages 18 points. Well, he had 10 by the first half. So don't tell me like that, that, you know, I, I, they were, were banking on Tristan Thompson being the answer to that question, but I really don't think he's as good as anyone. Tristan Thompson, he's better off asking his BM if she's now that she's out of work that the Kardashians are down. See if she can get in the paint, and Chloe Kardashian, see if she can start getting some rebounds. Putting it, you can't hit your wagon to it. To Tristan, he's not the guy. He was great. He gave you a lot of headaches over the years. But yeah. He can't be your. He's a good guy to be out there as a guy that knows what to do. Maybe to work with a younger player. But you look at the roster. Like you said, what are you going to have Taco Fall out there? Like, you don't like these are such, it, it's like a zoo when it comes, like a, a talent show when it comes to a freak show when it comes to the, the center position. You know what I mean? You have a guy that was, was, was dating a reality show. You have a guy who's seven, six, but can't find his height in his game who plays like he's five, six. Like, there's no, like, you need to go out there and actually make a serious trade. So, there's so do you no, think Robert, Robert Williams isn't that guy then? No, I was watching a game last year overseas, and I couldn't really hear. I thought he said Robin Williams. Yes, so Robert I, Williams. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Is he hanging down by the court, by the rim? You know, I mean, so not to make a Robin. He's a great comedian. But oh my God, you know what I mean? If that's your like, he's a young kid. Maybe he can grow into something, and maybe he can work with Tristan and try to get, you know, get that because he is a good blocker. Maybe he can turn into a pest. But I don't think the guys that you have on this roster right now, Tice is a good player. You know, he's a good name. He's a good, you know, upbeat kind of guy. Maybe he's a good, he's a good coach's kind of player. But like you said, he gets into foul trouble real easy. So mm-hmm. you need to bring in another name. You need to have your Garnett. And I think right now you have nothing close to that. Yeah. The closest thing you have to Garnett as far as attitude goes is Marcus Smart. Who's literally half the size? I'm so sick of him. John, I am so sick of Marcus Smart. It, he thinks he's the prom queen, but he's really nothing better than, you know, he's the Molly Ringwald of your team. He thinks he's the prom queen, but he's really not. That's a, don't show your age by making a freaking Molly Ringwald. <laughs> I, I mean, reference. I'm trying to think of like a sweet 16 or like a. I, I don't know, Mary. You bring up a high school musical or a blues clues <laughs> reference to this. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. He's not, he's, not, he's not the guy that everyone thinks. He's a great hustle guy, but he has such an ego for yeah. someone that's I'm so sick of him. He's not as good as he thinks he is. 
And that's the problem is he's out there and he's trying to take shots away from a Jalen Brown or a, a Jason Tatum. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, yeah, he will make a good one once in a while, you know, a wide open three once in a while. But he's not the guy that you want taking that shot. Yeah. He's not the guy at the end of the day. He's not the sexy shooter at the end of the day. He's the guy that, you know what, he's a hustle player. I don't need to hear you yelling and screaming. That's not that's not what your your job is. Your job is to go out there and to make a couple of good passes and to you know try to uplift the team a little bit. But yes, it is screaming and yelling for the ball is just not what I need. I think the 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 best like microcosm of what Marcus Smart is for the Boston Celtics team was last night. He got a shooting. He drew a shooting foul at a three point shot went to the line, only made one of the three foul, foul shots, but the whole time was like talking shit to the guy that, that fouled him. Right. Well, that's, oh yeah. Well, that's how you have, well, who's kind of growing into that mold a little bit more is Jason Tatum, who as a rookie was yelling at refs saying, what the, why aren't you calling that? Dude, you're a rookie. And the yeah. same thing with Marcus Smart. Yeah. Okay. You go up there and if I'm the defender, I don't know who it was. I'm laughing at him up the court saying, yeah. dude, I'll follow you again. I have, I, I, yeah. you don't, you don't get to keep the fouls. I'll follow you the whole time, especially at the late in the game. That shows, yeah. hey, you know what? Let's just attack Marcus Smart because he's going to talk a bunch of shit. But at the end of the day, he can't really do anything. He's going to miss the foul shots. He's not a good shooter. We, we've been dealing this for what? Eight years now, seven years. How long he's been here? He hasn't improved his shooting percentage. In fact, the Celtics are actually, their record is worse when he makes three point shots. If you look at they actually do worse when he makes threes as opposed to when he misses them. So, I don't know. You 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 figure that out, John. Well, here's the thing. The Celtics, I think with the lineup on the floor, typically every night, I look and say, you know what? As long as that guy doesn't touch the ball or shoot the three, I can live with it. And I think Marcus Smart is that guy when he's out there. Unfortunately, you have Marcus Smart on the floor with guys like Daniel Tice and Shemi Ojale. Those three guys, I don't want taking any shots. To me, Marcus yeah. Smart, he's more valuable on the floor, diving for the loose balls, getting in Joel Embiid's head, because I have a feeling after what was said in the press conference last night after the 76ers game, that when you have Smart and Embiid in the paint, it's going to go down in Philly, I think, and you're going to start having fist fly, and you could have an NBA-style fight where they just get up uh, of their seats and huddle around. Yeah, each other, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah. A, COVID, a COVID fight, they have to put their yeah. mask on. Well, Kumba, yeah. All right, so we go from the Celtics to a former Celtic, Kyrie Your Irving. favorite player. We didn't talk about this last week because we yeah. didn't really know much about this. Yeah. Uh, but Kyrie Irving was seen at a birthday party for his sister, I believe, and there weren't mm -hmm. masks or anything worn. Uh, he missed seven games since then. He just returned, I believe, last night against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, he left his team without telling anybody where he was <laughs> at all, without giving them an inkling of a clue, to even though the people who signed his paychecks now, Irving apologized to fans when he came back from his absence. Uh, they said it was due to family and personal issues. Um, there were reports that came out that Kyrie recently bought a house for the uh, family of George Floyd. And, you know, there's just a lot of emotions with Kyrie Irving. And I think we all are kind of in an emotion tornado when it comes to a player like Kyrie Irving. Because, yes, you, you're doing a great thing by standing up for social justice and trying to get your voice across but unfortunately you left your team a wall and you're picking right. up a paycheck of about a million dollars 
this is money that you had to pay back to the nets this is what he always does he does dumb shit in his job and then tries to make it up by doing something that the media is going to think is a good thing and the media ate it up like i'm sure whatever whatever it is he did i'm sure he's doing a good thing but he's doing it just so he doesn't look bad anymore that's how how it's always been with him he doesn't do good things until he fucks something else up well, well I, yeah, exactly. He's going out of his way to help out the joint. That's fine. You know what? And that's something you can do on your own time to help out the George Floyd fan. That's not something I, I need to hear about, especially if I'm a the Brooklyn Nets fan or hell, hell, even their GM. Where the hell are you? Yeah. Now I'm seeing online on, you know, TMZ or whoever on, on social media, you're at a birthday party without a mask and you're buying houses for the Floyd family. Well, that's all well and good, but what the hell about that? You know, and we just made yeah. a big trade. We need to know if you're in or you're out. And right. I think you're right. That is what that is, that is his mo, especially when he's second or third fiddle to the team, which he is. He is the third piece in this. He's yeah. not Durant, and he's not uh, uh, Harden. 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 He's not. He's not them. So he is the third fiddle, and I think that pisses him off, and that does make him go off on a pilgrimage to other parts of the country to go, you know, blow off steam. Well, dude, maybe if you work at a 40 hour a week job, you can do that because you have vacation time. Well, here you don't. Your team is playing. Yeah. You, we don't need you, especially if there's a freaking pandemic. You yeah. can't go off to wherever your sister lives and not have a mask and then expect to just come back and be like, yep, I'm good. That's not how it works. Yeah. And he doesn't have any buddies. Well, maybe he does now. Sit him down and say, "Dude, what the, what the frig are you doing? Like, yeah. that's not what you do. You're in the friggin' NBA. You get paid to play basketball, something that kids do, you know, as a recreational sport. Right. Get your head out of your ass. Figure it the f out and go out there and play. Like, this right. is not what we're paying you for. And like you said, Johnny, if he pays back that salary, good. Make him pay it back." He's so generous, so I'm sure he'll have no problem doing that. Yeah. Especially if he looks like an ass. I'm not saying that buying a house with a Floyd man, fine, whatever. I'm sure they had plenty of offers for them to, for someone to buy them a house. You taking off in the middle of the week to go buy them that house isn't really it, it isn't necessary. You have a job. Is that insensitive? Yeah, maybe. But you know what? That's your job. So here's the thing. Many players felt slighted, especially you go back to August and you have what happened in Minnesota happened. And then there were different um, situations that happened as well. Jacob Blake and, you know, you can go back a, a long ways with this situation, but you look at the capital situation, this is where a lot of players felt like they may have been wrong or may have had an opportunity to have the voice be heard because you had the capital um, riot that took place on January 6th. And we all know about the situations when it came to the arrests and where different officers were and, we can talk about that at another time, but you go back to the bubble and after the George Floyd situation happened and Jacob Blake happened, the players up and out, they all took a unified stand and said, you know what? Yeah, we're not playing basketball right now. You're at a point now here where you have the capital situation take place and Kyrie Irving was the only one that said, yeah, I need to get away here. That's not a good look. Unfortunately, well, Unfortunately, you have other players like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, LeBron James, who have been outspoken on topics like this going out there and saying, 
what happened was wrong, yes, but at times we feel like having us be on the floor, having us kind of be that outlet, that's where we're needed. If this was a situation where the entire NBA said, you know what, yeah, we're taking a break for a week here after what happened in D.C., fine, get behind that. But unfortunately, when Kyrie takes it upon himself, a player that has been so polarizing since his time in Cleveland, it just turns into a situation of Kyrie being Kyrie instead of talking about the situation in Washington and how there's some social issues. Now we're talking about, well, Kyrie just decided to up and out and he's using this kind of as now. I, I don't I don't care like you know what I mean? as much as like you want to care about like like their their opinions I watch you for a certain like you know what I mean like I'm watching you play basketball that's what I want from you like Taylor Swift she's a perfect example you 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 listen to her for her music but now she's getting so political that's not what I need when I need Taylor Swift I need you know some easy listening. I don't need political. Like I think there's a platform for everything, and that's fine if they they want to do it in the off season and and let their voice be be known or maybe post something. But you're in a season right now where we're trying to get things back to normal. How about you focus on that? I you know, and that's great that Jalen Brown's big into social justice and all that and, and wants to be a name. You know, have a have a foot in the game in that. But you know what? That's not what we're paying you for. You know what I mean? If I'm the owners of the team, I'm paying you to play basketball. I'm not paying for you to go off to a rally or to, to worry about these other things. We're trying to get, we're trying to get the NBA back here. And if that sounds a little, you know, insensitive towards it, well, that's business baby. You know what I mean? Like if I'm the teams, I'm, I'm committing all this money to you and I'm not getting a ton of revenue because people aren't in the arenas. I need you there. So, we're winning games and we're making a push for the playoffs. Well, the NBA owners have been behind this the entire time, though. They've been saying to their players, go out there, just be safe, because you had Jalen no Brown driving his car. Unless you're vaccinated, John, there's no way for you to be safe to just take off from your team to go to a rally or to go to these different events. Or don't They're go to your in- sister's birthday party without a mask. That's right. kind of where my big thing is. Right. So there's no, like, there's no excuse for it. I don't want my – if I'm committing – if I'm investing millions of dollars into someone, I don't want them going to a sister's birthday party, to a rally, to a different because that's putting them at risk. I'm thinking of it from a financial perspective. You put a person behind it and their feelings, well, that's that's great. Like you can have those views, you can make those moves in the off season. But listen, you have a job. We all have jobs. If you don't show up to them and you don't commit yourself to them, then you know what? You, maybe you don't you don't have a job and maybe you don't get paid. You know, that's just how I feel. I think that's maybe a little bit more, you know, that can make people uncomfortable, but that's how it is. All right, Mary, did you have anything to add or? No, I, I, you know, I, I just think that it's possible for these players to, you know, I mean, we've seen it in most of these players with the exception really of Kyrie Irving, that they're able to, you know, go out and stand up for what they believe in and post things on social media and, and, you know, use their, their financial wealth to help underprivileged people and people, you know, who really do need help, but also play basketball. I mean, look at, look at LeBron James, say what you want about the guy. He was able to play a full season of basketball, but also make sure a school got built for a bunch of underprivileged kids in, in Cleveland. It's possible to make a difference in this world and also, you know, do your job like I it, it you know I 
I don't see why it has to be one or the other, but for Kyrie, it seems like it does have to be one or the other. Right. Like you have people that work for you or you can't afford someone to be like, right. listen, you're taking care of the George Floyd account this week. Right. And, okay. Well, I'm bringing the money to make sure he gets a, the house bill yeah. and I'm going to visit it on another time because I'm busy yeah. doing my job. Like, I don't see why, like, that's a great point. Like, I don't see why you can't have someone else working that out yeah. with your social justice views and still keep playing. Like, I don't yeah. see why he has to take the time off. Like, it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, you have the, you have the money, you have the time. Figure it out and still do your job. Yeah. All right, let's turn our attention back to sports on the field here. As uh, we mentioned earlier, this is the 10th anniversary of Out of Bounds here, so we have a couple of topics as far as what will happen in 10 years by the time we all come back here for the 20th anniversary of Out of Bounds. You guys are going to be like old as hell by then. I'll be dead by then. I mean, you never know. I could win the $970 million Mega Millions jackpot, and I'm out of here next week. Where are you going? still do Out of Bounds. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you going? Yeah. I already said my winnings, I'm putting in a retirement account, having myself a nice retirement. Uh, so in 10 years, the Patriots will win blank Super Bowls. Zero. Zero. <laughs> Look at that, man. We're, we're right I don't think you're going to see one in that 10 years. Yeah. It's, 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 it might be surprising if they find the guy, you know, working at Burger King or something. And they're, right. they're able to find right. him. I, I don't see they're going to be too good in the next 10 years. I think even with Belichick or not to get that top draft pick. I think they have yeah. to really suck and, and look like just cut ties with everybody to get right. that top pick. So yeah. no, I'd say zero. I'm going to say one just because Bill Belichick has this vendetta. <sighs> yeah, really have to say, you have to convince me of this one. Uh, you have the floor. You're, you're telling me Bill Belichick <laughs> with his vendetta tour and how he doesn't ever want to be slighted. You're telling me that he can't go ahead and muster up everything he has for no. one more Super Bowl run. No. What does no. he have? The Patriots have sixty million dollars in free in free salary cap, and half year. that's going to be going to David Andrews to keep him. Well, unfortunately, you know what? Put a new fat guy in there on the offensive line. Unfortunately, oh, that's yeah. a way. Nobody to win Super Bowls, John. Just get a no. Back. You win Super Bowls by having a quarterback that can go option. You have a quarterback. That can go ahead no, and run no, around. There's nobody that you can pick up unless you trade it away. You can't even to, to get, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence. You're not going to get. There's nobody out there that you can just go and get. I, I'm just couple years. Like who's who's going to be a free agent that you can woo and romance away from where they wherever they are right now to come be your quarterback? And even I mean, so, who do you throw to? You can't, no matter how good of a quarterback is, you can't win a Super Bowl if you don't have a center that can snap the ball properly. Just ask Ben Roethlisberger. All right, you know what? I think they're going to win one Super Bowl. Keep going, keep going. (laughs) Well, no, we're going on to the next topic now. Okay. Because he knows he's lost. I mean, you know how it is when that bounds. I really have, well, actually, I have more of a voice now than 10 years ago. That's because I was just a timer. You you have more of a voice on Out of Bounds now because Brian and Corey aren't on every week anymore. <laughs> hey, uh, Tuka Rask will play, <laughs> play blank more seasons for Boston since 2021. So how many more seasons will Tuka Rask play? After 21? Right. After 21? After this season. 
I, I think you have, if you're the Bruins, unless you can go out and find someone that's better than him, I see. I, I think three or four. I think they until they can go out and find someone that. Think about it. He is as as much of a head case as he is. They're fine. He's what six three, six four, athletic. Like I think you have to keep him. I don't think there's anybody else I can go out and trade for. I don't see them going out making trades. So I think he's just good enough to keep, and I think he's around three or four more years. I, I, I agree, but I also know that they've the they drafted a goalie last year or the year before that, I can't really remember, pretty high in the first round, who was a, a finalist for the Hobie Baker Award. Now whether or not this kid is is the answer and you know, I think at some point we'll see him replace Halak maybe as a second guy, maybe within the next year or two. And then like what happened with Tuka and and Tim Thomas, eventually, you know, they'll face Tuka Rask out and this guy, this kid will be their number one goalie. But I think for now, you know, it, it's fine the way it is. Say what you want about what happened with the bubble and whether or not you believe Tuka when he says his kid was sick and, and that's why he left and there was no other reasons for it. But well, I, I think that they have a solid three or four years left of Tuka. If you thought that the, that, that him staying was going to be the difference, I think that, I think they had some yeah. more calls anyways with that bubble. I think as upset as I was when he went out for last minute when you knew going into this bubble you weren't going to be with your family and whatever right i'm okay with it like i'm not over it but you kind of have to you kind of have to be because like you said who are they going to replace you with you know i mean yeah because i mean the thing is they still had the same issue that they've had for the last three or four years besides the top line no one else can score that's just you know the story of the bruins for the for years now yeah i'm I'm gonna go in two or three years i i think we're kind of in the same ballpark. I mean, two to four years for Chukaras, that still gives Cam Neely enough time to try and get something going here, whether that's mm-hmm. finding something in your system with that uh, Hobie Baker award winner that you were talking about. Oh, or... He was a finalist. He didn't win. Okay, finalist. Sorry. Or going ahead and patchworking things with Halak and Bladar. You know, I think now is the time you need to really start planning for the Bruins to have mm-hmm. long success with a goaltender. Yeah. And then uh, finally here, in honor of Corey, LeBron James will win – Blank more NBA championships. Uh, I'm a, I'm going to be a bigger person, and I'm going to say, well, I'm going to say three. I think wow. three. I think I give him. He wants to play until his son Bronny is in the NBA. Yeah. He wants to play with him and try to win a championship with him. So, and he, I, I mean, God love the bastard. He's what in his thirties, <laughs> and he's still he's still probably the best player in the NBA yeah. talent wise. I'll give him three more. I think he's yeah. probably going to get at least one more with LA. I don't think LA, and he's going to go year to year pretty soon, uh, mm-hmm. especially once Barney gets into his, you know, into college or whatever. So, and he'll probably have to play more than one year. But I think he goes to whatever. T- so I think I give him one more with LA. Yeah. And and then I, I I say you know what I'll give him three more. I think he can go to a couple other places and win. I'm, I'm trying to be the bigger person yeah. to grow here as much as I don't, <laughs> as much as I don't like the guy he's proven time and time again that he is he is the king so yeah. as much I think as I'm be... king and queen usually has domestic violence attached to it but 
Anyways. I think I think he'll get at least one. Like you said, I think the Lakers have at least one more with this LeBron James, Anthony Davis thing. And I think you're right. I think he won't stay in LA for the rest of his career because I think that there's no way Los Angeles will have a draft pick high enough to draft his kid. And what I and I truly believe that wherever Bronny does get drafted, LeBron will probably be willing to take a pay cut in order to play with his kid and that I mean that would be really interesting to see you know father and son duo on the court win a championship that was that would be like a once in the life in a lifetime situation to watch and I I, I hope they do it just you know for, <laughs> for just Ronnie for the sucks. just to what see sucks, though he's like the worst player <laughs> ever come and well, <laughs> you have to just eat that that shit you know, the worst thing is like ESPN treats him like he is his father. Like I, the the I number of times, he's pretty good. The number but. of times I've gotten ESPN notifications because of Bronny and Dwayne Wade's kids, like high school games. I was like, yeah. I don't give a shit about any high school games. I don't even care about my own high school's high school games. Why do I care about these kids? I don't. Right. I don't know why that's a big deal either. But like, I'm I'm kind of rooting for him to suck, just so I just so. Like even LeBron can't play with him. Like he's just the worst player that's ever played. <laughs> like he shouldn't be that's around. Horrible. No, I'm rooting. You know, it would be cool to see him win a championship. Yeah. Chances are, like, just given the numbers, like, yeah, he's a good high school basketball player. Plays in AAU with um, D Wade's kid. It's just so hard to be like the top player in the NBA. So right. yeah, only expectations. But I think to see, I think the biggest story is just seeing him play with his dad. Yeah, 100%. So while Corey thinks LeBron is going to turn into LeVar Ball and try and market the kid, I'm going to go ahead and say like, – I, I think he already has, John. I mean, yeah. him on Instagram. he's pretty cool. I mean, thank God LeBron isn't like LeVar Ball. But I have LeBron winning one he's more – yeah. I have LeBron winning one more NBA trophy. I don't think he's going to okay. win this year just because of the quick turnaround. I think there's going to be something physically that happens here. I hope not, but I think something's going to happen physically as far as – I mean, you think about it. the NBA, the NBA finals, if everything goes on to schedule here is supposed to take place in mid May. to late July, yeah. somewhere around there. So you're oh, looking the finals, at two, yeah. right. Sorry. NBA finals. So you're looking at two NBA finals with LeBron James in a calendar year. Yeah. That's a lot of, lot of energy to put into the NBA finals. I understand LeBron wants to be the greatest player of all time and, you know, shut out any argument with Michael Jordan. But at some point, LeBron James injuries are going to start catching up to him. I think if you add all the playoff games, he's probably added about four or five seasons onto his career. At Great. some point, the body just gives out. Now, LeBron is a physical beast. We know that he can go ahead and take the, you know, the physical impact of playing NBA basketball for the full calendar year. But I think at some point you're going to start seeing him maybe take more nights off and maybe that ends up costing the Lakers a couple of spots in the standings. He'll be the yeah. he'll be the next one promoting TB12. Watch. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get get someone out there rubbing his hamstring. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I think he's. I, I you brought up the Michael Jordan thing, and I think he's kind of over that. I think he knows that he's better. I think he wants to be the bigger name in LA than Kobe. I think that's the guy he's chasing a little bit more now. Yeah. Because he wants to have the, the rings that he had out there. He wants to play through the injuries and look like he's the diehard like Kobe was. Yeah. I don't think Michael Jordan, like, I think he knows he's better than Michael Jordan. I think he knows that he, just just size-wise and, and mm -hmm. athleticism-wise, 
he could have left college, college uh, he could have gone to college and played college football at Notre Dame and probably be probably been a, a top ten receiver in yeah. the NFL. Like I think he knows that he's just a way better athlete in, than Michael Jordan was. Yeah, Michael Jordan. Not to say take anything away from him, I just think he knows, and I think he just likes the LA feel and and saw Kobe because Kobe was his idol growing up. Like James is too young to have Michael Jordan be his his idol growing up. Michael right. Jordan's just such an easy argument. We have to realize that that was in the, the mid eighties. Like like mm-hmm. he. he LeBron James grew up with, with Kobe, and I think that's yeah. why one of the why he went to L.A., and that's the thing he wants to chase is that legacy that, that Kobe had. And I, I think that's what you're seeing now, and I think he is going to push through all of the injuries and try to take care of himself more so he can have that factor as opposed to the Michael Jordan factor that's who cares, you know what I mean? All right, finally here, let's look ahead to championship weekend. Typically we give our picks and all that, but – Probably easy here just to give our Super Bowl matchups. Um, I mean, we don't need to do records. Odds are I probably went 4-0 this weekend. So You did go 4-0 this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, All right. So, Corey, what do you have for Super Bowl 55? I have – drum roll, please. I have – No one, no one even attempted to give you a drum roll. Everybody has a drum. Kansas City, Tampa Bay. And I have Kansas City winning the Super Bowl. So, All Kansas right. City, Tampa Bay. Hurry here first. Mary? Um, I've, I'm going with, you know, I, I think that it's possible that Buffalo has this upset and they end up going to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to go Buffalo versus Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl with Tampa winning. I think can, top- can you imagine Buffalo? I, they said this for you. They said it on the radio the other day. Buffalo finally gets Brady out of the AFC, yeah. and they finally have. To, then they, they, he has to beat them in the Super Bowl. I, I just, know. I, I would rather see Tom Brady win ten championships with Tampa Bay than Aaron Rodgers win one single more championship. I'm with you on that. I can get on. I hate Aaron Rodgers. Me too. So this is family. So <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going. This is Super Bowl 55 coming up in Tampa Bay or Tampa, Florida. I have it as a rematch of Super Bowl one. I have Kansas City and Green Bay doing battle. Wow. And who do you got to win? Oh, we have to do that now. Let's hear it. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll take Kansas City. I think Green Bay is always going to be that team that gets right to the end and then they just fall flat. So fair enough. As long as as long as Aaron Rodgers doesn't win the Super Bowl, I'm happy in any outcome. I mean, if you have Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, that's like a State Farm dream. Oh, God. Can you imagine, Can you imagine those, those commercials? fucking commercials? Oh, yeah. Jesus. All right. So, unfortunately, we didn't have time to get to uh, college players getting paid or not, but I'm sure we can get to that. Yeah. The 10-year-old <laughs> argument. I think yeah, I think that's what, that's what the, the, the 10th anniversary show of Out of Bounds. I, all I'm going to do, because I don't want any part of it, all I'm going to do is go through old episodes of Out of Bounds and find out what you guys thought about the most and have you two and Brian fight about them again 10 years later. Well, listen, I, I think, well, yeah, well, the big, uh, what, you know what, we'll get into it another time. All right. Oh, well. okay. <laughs> I, I, that's what you call a teaser, John. <laughs> yeah, that's an edger right there. <laughs> All right, Corey Clavin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming back to Out of Bounds. Hopefully we can have you back before, like, the 15th anniversary if Mary wants you back. Uh, 
mean, she's. I have yeah. no problem with Barbie on the show. Apparently, now she's running the yeah. running the, the roster here. All right. Well, for Mary, I'm John. See you later.